0: Welcome again to the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host Kevin Newsom here with my wife Deanna, who has been co-hosting with me for the past few weeks. We have here again our guest Michael Head, uh, who has been on the program before, talking about uh, the Christian film industry, and he is going to join us here again today to talk about uh, some of the uh, things that are going on as far as the movie and film industry this holiday season, the the big movies and how things are changing with COVID and, and what to expect. Uh, so thank you again, Michael, for joining us. We're glad to see you again.
1: Thank you guys for having me on here again to share my uh, insider outsider-ish perspective on things and to just talk about film and Christianity and art. And I love that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I want to start out by just asking, you know, a lot of times uh, we talk about holiday blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And the reason we have holiday blockbusters is not just because the studios are trying to capitalize on the holiday season, but also because they're trying to get their Oscar hopefuls out mm-hmm. at the last minute. Can could, could you explain why that's, this happens during uh, the last few weeks of December?
1: Versus a cough, right? As you asked that. Um, well, anybody that has any training in, uh, Communication has this, we'll be able to tell you about the idea of primacy and recency. You remember both, you remember best the first thing you hear and the last thing you hear. So there is, there are statistical changes that take place beginning in, uh, beginning around Halloween where people start to go see more movies. Cause you have Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, just back to back in terms of big holidays. And so you do see more people going to the movies because they're taking that time in the holidays to spend time with Spend time with family and friends. I'm talking faster than I, I'm thinking faster than I can talk.
2: Um <laughs> me all the time. <laughs> uh,
1: spend time, spending time with friends. And you even see up until very recently, a lot of films that actually released on Thanksgiving day or Christmas day, even if it wasn't the typical release day, because a lot of people go see movies. As a matter of fact, my family for a while, we would have Christmas morning and then we would go see some movie in the afternoon. Um, but, why do they actually release their uh, their kind of Oscar hopefuls towards the end of the year, partly because they want to hit that audience that is more likely to see movies at this time of year, and partly because they want things to be fresh in the minds of the the uh, academy that 's actually voting on things so I guess a good way to describe it is if you saw a really good movie. And I'm going to go with my understanding of the Academy, which might be right. It might be a little bit off. Um, Anybody that has already won an Academy Award is in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So the way you get into the Academy is you win an Oscar. I don't know how it started because obviously nobody won an Oscar to start. But um, you're in the Academy. That makes you a voting member of the Academy. And so you're the ones that are there. I should say they are the ones that are actually voting on all of these awards that are coming up. So, if somebody saw a great movie in January in the theaters, by the time voting rolls around in November, December, that's not fresh on their mind. So, it's been a while since they've actually seen it.
2: Which is why January and February movies usually stink.
1: February especially. Yeah. If, if, something, if, some, if they push a movie back to February, you kind of got to sit there and be like, what's wrong with it? What, yeah, because you,
2: you can catch a, uh, one of the late December movies in January, but by the time mm-hmm. you get to February, there's not really a lot worth <laughs> watching. Until, you know. Ironically,
1: uh, this is just a total anecdote. The only, as far as I know, the only um, thriller slash horror movie to win an Oscar was uh, Silence of the Lambs, which released on Valentine's Day the year it came out really i I didn't know um totally totally unrelated random but yeah typically a movie comes out in february you're kind of like no but that is kind of related because
2: uh, just because uh they're they're releasing them in late december Mm -hmm. does not necessarily mean these are the only movies they're trying to get oscars out of there are other movies throughout the year it's just they're more there li- tends to be
1: more of them in, the, in this time of year, absolutely. And the other thing that um, is kind of interesting about it is the Academy Award members, and there's, there's rules. I'm going to describe something briefly. There's rules about what directors, producers can do in terms of kind of marketing their movie to the Academy, to the Academy members. They will send out screener copies. They'll give them like, basically, it's a private DVD, and it usually has a little watermark on it. I've actually seen them. Some people unethically copy them and put them online. It happens, Um, but they'll have a watermark. And so the people can actually watch the movie again at home. But again, that kind of gets into, if you saw this great movie in the theaters in January as it was intended, and then you're watching it at home on your TV, it's a different experience. And so they want things to be as fresh as they can in the Academy members' minds. There was actually a couple of years ago, but there's rules about what they can and can't send them. I don't know exactly what is allowed. I know there was a faith-based film a couple of years ago. It might have been Soul Surfer, but I could have the the film wrong that was actually in the Academy nominations for um best best original song. And I could be I could have the wrong movie. But the director got in trouble because he personally called some of the some of the Academy members just really to say, "Hey, this is I'm the director of the film. This is our song. This is You need to, you should consider listening to it. And he got in big trouble because that broke the rules of the Academy. So there are rules about what they can and can't do. They do get screener copies so they can review all the films. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's that kind of primacy recency effect where they want their films to be fresh on the mind of the people that are going to be voting as best as they can. At least that's the way I think it is. It could right. be totally different. I don't know.
2: And in some cases, they'll, they'll release the film like December 31st in two or three indie theaters, just to get mm-hmm. in under the deadline.
1: Right, and there's rules about what, how a film can qualify for things. Um, they have to be in theaters at a certain time. There's rules about how many theaters they have to be in. Uh, one of a very f- one of the funny anecdotes I think is I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Room by Tommy Wiseau. No. Widely considered one of the worst films of all time. Um, I have not seen it entirely because I've started to watch it, and I just can't even get through it. They made a film. They made another movie about it called The Disaster Artist, which is about the making. Unless
2: Michigan Theater covered it, I probably
1: (laughs) they might have. I don't know. Um, Riff tracks or something. But he paid for that film. The director Tommy Wiseau paid for the film to be in theaters for the required amount of time so it qualified for the for an oscar now it's got this big cult following since then it did not qualify for an oscar because it's not a good movie but it has this big cult following because people watch it at midnight and there's spoons and all kinds of things that go into it in terms of it has this weird following now it's one of those like so bad it's good movies so sure okay well let's 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 move on from that Uh, tell us
2: what's going on with Universal Studios and home releases and theaters and Warner Brothers. Or whoever. Warner Brothers,
1: um, uh, Warner Brothers I, did something I, extremely interesting. As we're recording this, we're about a week out from Warner Brothers' decisions. Um, with COVID, obviously with theaters being shut down, people can't go to the movies. Uh, the big movie this year that was supposed to save theaters was Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I haven't seen it. I want to, I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. Um, if I remember it, I saw the numbers the other day and I think it only made like $40 million in the theater, yeah. which it's a 200, I don't know the exact budget, Three hundred, four $400 million blockbuster. It was supposed to be one of these huge movies. And in any, any other year it probably would have been a huge movie with a huge draw for people. But in theaters, it didn't make, hardly anything because nobody can go to theaters right now and nobody wants to go to theaters right now so one of the things that warner brothers has just decided as we record this this week they have announced that basically all of their movies going forward are going to be releasing in theaters but at the same time they release them in theaters they're releasing them on specifically the HBO Max streaming service.
2: Is it going to be um, included with the subscription or is it going to be an additional pay like Disney did with Mulan?
1: As far as I know, it's going to be just included with the subscription. And Mulan, interesting thing about the way Disney did that with Mulan, they released it for, I want to say like $30 when it was released, but I think now it's available for anybody to watch just as part of the regular service, which is a very interesting way to do that. I don't, I think... I don't think that turned out exactly like the way they wanted it to. So I think that was kind of a test water, but Mulan was not a great movie after itself. I did see that one. it's, it's not. Oh, bad. Yeah, we haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> very, It's very different from the animated film. There's no Mushu, so you know, you're missing out on
0: right. a lot of the fun mm-hmm.
1: stuff. Um, but the weird thing about what Warner Brothers did was they didn't consult the directors on it. So the first person that had something to say about it was Christopher Nolan. And he basically said, you've decided to do this just without consulting the people that are creating this art. And so his perspective was, um, you don't really have the right to decide what somebody else is going to do with the art they're making that they're using to make money. If that makes, if that makes sense at all. Um, all right. Denis, I can never say his name right. Denis, the director of Dune, Okay. I hate to say that. I can't say name. Denis Villeneuve? I can't. I, that's not right. I'm sorry. The director of Dune. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm messing up the name. I apologize. Um, he made We're some... Talking
2: about, you're talking about the, the new Dune that's about to come out, right?
1: The new Dune that was supposed... It, it is going to be a massive science fiction epic. It's probably going to be... Um, it's probably going to be a very good film. I do, I do plan on seeing it. I like science fiction and I like... That Dune. coming out holiday season... Um, it was originally scheduled for Christmas. I don't know what the current release date is. They pushed it back. Obviously, lots of things have been pushed back. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 was originally, I think, summer, and they've pushed it back. I think it's coming out Christmas, right around Christmas that's
2: not- on
1: HBO Max, and that's they've pushed it onto the streaming service. Okay. So that's a very interesting choice to make. It doesn't really surprise me in any way because of the limitations we're facing right now. If you're going to spend, if these studios are going to spend 300, $400 million on the film and the marketing of it, because marketing costs just as much as making the film, um, they need that return on investment in one way or another. Driving people to the streaming service, the advantage that the streaming services have for the studios is it's a constant income. Because you go see a movie, you ping once and you're done and that's all it is. But if you have a streaming service, Netflix, they've been so successful because they have a constant income stream. Disney is the same way. They they did Disney Plus and people subscribe to it and they have this constant stream of income. And that pays for both the service and it also pays for them to create new content, which is why Netflix, I live near Albuquerque. Netflix um, just announced a big deal this week. They're expanding. They have studios in Albuquerque already. They're expanding another... 300 it's not 300 miles obviously that's way too much but like another 30,000 square feet of studio space they're building in Albuquerque and they're going to be doing more and more productions within with specific COVID protocols over the next year and that's something that they've committed to so they're still producing content they're still very much pushing out new things and new ideas and new movies while Um, pushing people onto these streaming services because that's where people are watching things right now. Even if we don't think about um, the impact that going to the theater has and it's a one-time payment. Again, it goes back to one-time payment versus a constant stream of income. People like having constant streams of income. Uh, As I do editing, Adobe switched to a subscription service. So you're paying every month instead of buying software once and done. It's a, it's a constant income stream, which is what companies want. They want money more frequently than than I guess we're willing to pay them.
2: Right, so um, they're, they're released on HBO Max. Are they also released in the theaters? Or is they it just want, HBO Max?
1: My understanding is they're going to do both. It'll be like a same day release on theaters and HBO Max. Once theaters, of course, start opening safely again. And a lot of theaters, I think Cinemark is staying open right now very in term, very limited in terms of seating and mask requirements, things like that. Um, the the theaters that are hurting the most about this are the smaller theater chains. Like I think of Alamo Drafthouse, I know they're they're hurting a lot because they're much smaller. They have they kind of have more more uh, niche films that they show. They show films that are tailored for a more small audience, which when your audience is already small to begin with. And you suddenly can't have those people there. It's a big deal. It's a big hit for the company. And there's a lot of there's a lot of independent movie theaters that are um, that that's affecting. There's a lot more than people. That a lot more than just that that people think about. The other interesting thing this year, and I still don't know how this is going to play out, is uh, are you familiar with the 1940? I think it was 46 Paramount decision.
2: Not that. No, I'm
1: not. Um, and I could have the, the year wrong. I should know this. I should know this date off the top of my head. But in the nineteen, maybe it's nineteen fifty. I think it might be nineteen fifty-six. I, I have the date wrong. I'm sorry. In the olden days of the studio system, back when it was the golden age of studios, the the studios owned the movie theaters. So if you wanted to see a Paramount movie, you had to go to a Paramount theater. If you wanted to see, if you wanted to see Tenant it was a Warner Brothers movie, you had to go to a Warner Brothers theater. Oh,
2: okay.
1: That was considered, there was a big court case, I wanna say in 1956, I could have the date wrong on that. Um, the, stu- the Supreme Court decided that was a monopoly and they, the studios were forced to sell off their theaters. That led to the development of the multiplexes that we have today where you have 20 screens showing movies from all kinds of studios the paramount decision was overturned this year so right. now studios can actually own their own theaters again
2: well,
1: what this means we don't really know right now theoretically netflix could go out and buy a theater and show netflix shows in their in, the, right. in their own theater and only show them in their netflix theaters right I don't know what that's going to look like. Nobody really knows the impact of that. Everybody is scrambling with their lawyers to figure out what does this actually mean for us. But it's a very interesting, it's a big deal and it's a very interesting thing to see what's going to happen with that, especially in light of COVID and streaming and all these changes that are going on already.
2: Right. Sounds like 2020 has pretty much turned the movie industry up on its head.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Well, let's see the last uh, 15... 10, 15 minutes or so uh, tell us about some of the big movies that are coming out this Christmas that families may want to want to go see and and uh, should they go see them if uh, you know it looks good in a, in the advertising should you take your family to go see it on Christmas Day afternoons or something like that well, what, what, what do we have if there's a theater
1: <laughs> if there's a theater or at home while you're sitting there oh, scrim- sure. streaming through um, <clears throat> HBO max. Uh, we talked briefly before we started about, uh, Monster Hunter. That's, it's a, it's a big movie. It was a big budget movie long before COVID happened. They were filming it, uh, last year, 2019, I think. Um, I haven't really looked at it very much. It's based on a video game. It is based
2: on a video game. Mia Jovovich is uh, leading that one. It looks to me to be, uh, a sort of like, um, I don't know, what was the zombie movie she was in?
1: Uh, Resident Evil.
2: Resident, it looks it's, to be a sort of a, a, a re of that kind of thing.
1: It's It probably tonally it's very similar to that. Um, big action pieces, big CGI. Uh, is it going to be the best thing for families? Um, I don't know. That's Honestly, I haven't really paid attention to it very much. because I, I see the theater and I'm, I see the trailer and I'm like, Hey. Yeah, you know what the rating is on it? I think it's PG-13. I'm actually looking it up right now. I want to say it's PG-13, but I'm yeah, not... I've
2: seen a lot of social media advertising for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: you seen it? No. Social media circles, you can... <laughs> Um, one of the big ones is Wonder Woman 1984, which now, this was... one was pushed
2: back. We mentioned that earlier it was
1: a I think it was originally summer, and they pushed it back and okay. now they're releasing it limited in theaters and through HBO max, which is what I think a lot of what Warner Brothers is going to do um, the first Wonder Woman it was a really good movie it was it was,
2: um, I, it was I thought it was really good, but it did have those those moments that i'm thinking huh ah, I'm a little uncomfortable with my my eleven year old daughter watching. Mm-hmm yeah definitely
1: definitely i would think older teenagers um Mm -hmm. obviously check it out first before parents always check things out hopefully before dc uh,
2: has sort of has a reputation uh, as far as i've I've noticed of being just a couple of
1: steps more edgy or more adult than the marvel mm -hmm. movies Yeah, would you agree with that and that, they did that very purposefully because they wanted to differentiate themselves from the Marvel movies, which are very bright, very colorful. Um, you have a lot of jokes, a lot of things like that. But I think Warner Brothers has figured out that doesn't necessarily work for them. Their films have done very well internationally. Um, but in terms of the actual story itself, American audiences aren't necessarily responding to that very well. And so they're actually, they've actually started pulling back from that. They weren't going for the, the DC Extended Universe idea. They've started pulling back. They've started to say, that's where you start to see movies, even, even though it's a, obviously not a family movie, but the Joker movie was totally standalone. And right. they let the director do what they wanted with it. They, they weren't saying, we're going to force this into this DC Universe. You can do whatever you want with it. And I think that was a good choice for them because it frees up the director and they're not trying to fit in all of these things under one umbrella. Um, the advantage that Marvel has with their films is it's all under, they're all under the the overview of Kevin Feige. I can never say his name right either. Yeah. Feige? I Feige? Yeah, right. Feige, I think I got that one right. Um, and he is very clear on direction, intent, purpose. Uh, just Thursday before we were recording this, Uh, Disney slash Marvel announced they had their big investors meeting that they have every year. And they announced a whole slate of new movies and television shows that are coming both in terms of Marvel and, and Star Wars. And it's huge. Everything they're planning on doing right now. It has nothing to do with movies that are coming out right now.
2: Um, They they announced their destruction plan for Netflix.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're, they're, they're gunning for them. And uh Netflix is, Netflix has been in trouble. Netflix is going to foreign markets more. They're they're pulling in a lot of foreign films in. I don't know if you've noticed that, and, but they're good. They're really good foreign films. I don't want yeah, we're going off topic here. <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984 definitely not for younger crowds, but um probably older teenagers. I think it's PG-13 as well. Um I love the first Wonder Woman. It had some really great stuff. Ironically, the best part of the film, the director had to fight to keep in the movie, the the trench fight. When they're fighting out in the the uh you know the trench fight in the middle of the movie where she goes and she goes across the no man's land oh, yeah yeah yeah. The first i love one. that part of the movie the the warner brothers wanted the director to take it out mm. she had to fight to keep it in there and i'm like that's the best part of the movie um it looks pretty good wonder woman does look pretty good um hopefully hopefully they maintain a good vision a good positive upbeat. because that was something about wonder woman it was very positive you said warner, wow. Bro- warner brothers in dc had been very dark I think they're kind of shifting away from that because they realize people don't really respond to that with their superhero movies.
2: Right.
1: Um, I see here listed December 25th is Disney's Soul, which is their uh, Pixar's Soul, which is the next big kind of Pixar movie. I'm kind of yeah. up in the air about that. Um, yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen
2: previews for it. Um, I'm cautiously intrigued. Um, I believe they're releasing it. They're on, doing a duel. They're doing
1: what? They're
2: doing it like they did a
1: the oh. duel, okay. I hadn't heard that. So,
2: yeah, uh, I guess pay
1: on Disney Plus. That's what I saw the other day. I need to look that up because I'm not. It wouldn't surprise me if they're doing that to kind of test it again. I think it's probably going to be. Pixar knows how to make good movies. Pixie and dis Disney Pix Pixie Pixney, Pixar <laughs> and Disney, know how to make good movies. They know how to tell compelling stories with great characters and great story arcs, um, but without really knowing what it's about yet i mean we kind of we kind of have an idea because based on the trailers but without knowing the actual story and the actual message with it right. is it something that's going to be sound and encouraging for families to see i don't really know i can't i don't have an answer right. for that it,
2: it, is it going to be giving you a christian worldview which is kind mm-hmm. of what we're about with the podcast yeah. here um are are they going to be i'm gonna have to explain this to I'm my gonna have to explain it later. Yeah. Uh, for 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 people who are not familiar, this this movie is about a guy who basically has a tragic accident and finds himself his soul heading towards the light, and he escapes the line. No, I'm not ready. He's I'm not ready, gonna... so he his soul mm-hmm. escapes, and so he goes on this journey to try to get back to his body. And meanwhile, the authorities of heaven are trying to track him down so theologically we have, uh, how is this going to land? I don't know um, but uh, for families that are planning on seeing this be prepared to um, you know sort of talk your children down theologically
1: yeah and and I think parents should do that pretty much regardless of any movie like even with even with something that is blatantly um, faith-based like Narnia you still need to explain the parallels there and why they actually matter something that um, I always think about is I always find it funny if you, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan or not. Um, yeah, I know, I love Potter fans.
2: we're
1: there. <laughs> I know a lot of people they 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 kind of rail against Harry Potter because they say, well, they're doing magic, so they need to not do that. You should read something encouraging and uplifting like um, Narnia, and I'm like, have you read Narnia? Because <laughs> the reason Aslan is brought back to life is the deep magic. You can't gloss over that. Now that's obviously an allegory and it's obviously something that's very intentionally done, but um, it's just interesting. The arguments that some people make about things like that.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just sort of as, as an aside with Harry Potter, the best counter argument that I know of is that in the Harry Potter world, they are born with this magic ability. It is not mm-hmm. something that can be taught. There are people who want it, who can't do it, who try to do it and can't, they don't have the ability. So in that respect, this is almost more superpower realm than it is mm-hmm. actual magic realm. Yeah. It's
1: not a, it's not a, it's not a, I choose to do a it thing. It's, it's like you said, it's a built-in inborn in. ability. Right. Sometimes totally random because you have the, the muggle-born Wizards that it just they they just find out about it at some point. You get a letter from an owl, and you're like, "Why is there an owl carrying a letter to me?" I don't know. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: um, so, do it, do it. Have another Harry
2: Potter. Is is, is the next Grindelwald coming out? <sighs> right. What Fantastic. I have heard,
1: Johnny Depp has been in. He's he's in such a weird situation. He was removed yeah, from Crimes of Grindelwald, yes, and that's a whole issue. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. That's a whole. <laughs> no, no. Let's not get to
2: that deep, but the, but the next the next Fantastic Beast is not slated for this.
1: No, for- as far as I know, they haven't even shot it yet. The uh, my understanding is they've tapped uh, Mads Milkinson to be the, to replace uh, Johnny Depp, which I think is a great choice. He's actually a really great actor, and I think he'd be really good and very. He he can bring a lot of menace to that character that I think even Johnny Depp didn't bring. To the guy that's supposed to be like the last big evil wizard person that is one of the nice things about harry potter it tends to be very very much good versus evil which right. is even exactly. if, even if they sometimes take a little bit of freedom in terms of following the rules or not following the rules but they usually they usually doing it with a good intent so I don't, I don't know do two wrongs make a right if you're trying to do really good <laughs> eh, that's, a, uh, whole so that's a whole other topic that's a whole other topic all right, well, really, back in, uh, we, are there
2: any other uh, good films coming out that uh, we need to know about, families need to be look, on the lookout for? Uh, even if it's bad, but, uh, a cautionary, be cautious about this particular one, if um, anything you aware of. I know um, need there's,
1: there's one that I'm just seeing a thing for here called uh, We Can Be Heroes, uh, that's oh, that's the Lava Boy and Shark Girl spinoff for Netflix. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Lava Boy and Shark Girl. It yeah. was Robert Rodriguez's super early stuff, yeah. and I think it was it was a really smart business move of his to make that because kids movies make a lot of money, and he tapped into that with this kind of high energy, high action, super corny but very clear, very easy to follow story. This is his follow-up to that with um, Lava Girl and not Taylor Lautner. Um, I, I call <laughs> it that just because it's Sharkboy, but it's not really Sharkboy. Um, yeah, they got the budget replacement. <laughs> <laughs> it does have some big names in it, like it has Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian in it. It's got a couple of couple of big people. Um, it's the trailers that I've seen seems to be pretty good. But again, it's always one of those things you wanna always have caution and I'd recommend parents watch stuff or at least read. uh, Something like plugged in reviews are usually very good and very solid for um, looking at films from a faith-based perspective. So We Can Be Heroes is something that kids, uh, depending on how they go with the content, could be really good. It's about this world of superheroes where you have this generation of younger, younger kids and their parents are all kidnapped by aliens and the younger kids have to rise up and kind oh, of take okay. their place. So it looks like it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know exactly. Again, it gets back into what's the message going to be? I don't know. Uh, making a way back reference, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jimmy Neutron movie from like the late 90s. Oh,
2: a little bit, a little um, bit. Oh, CGI. CGI. Uh-huh. Which, uh which <laughs> might, might be similar.
1: Um, the, one of the big things about Jimmy Neutron is all the kids decide to disobey their parents and sneak out to go to the to go to this amusement park one night, and that's when their parents are all kidnapped and they have to do this. But it's this weird thing about the re- the reason the kids are all safe is they chose all of them to disobey their parents. So that was a very weird kind of mixed message <laughs> type thing. They
2: all
1: do um, it. <laughs> no, yeah. no, they all
2: do it. Yeah, they learn their lesson from Pinocchio. <laughs>
1: Uh, um. Anything else? Yeah, the, the big ones, Monster Hunter uh, Those are the big ones, Monster Hunter, Wonder Woman, Soul. Well, those are probably the big ones that most people are going to be spending their time with. There's a few others coming out um, I'm not super familiar with them but those are probably the big three that are going to be generating the most interest and depending on how they go with pushing everything to streaming services that's going to have a big impact on what happens next year.
0: Right, right. which could be a whole other story.
2: All right, Michael, we are, we are, we have run out of time. And so when next year gets here, we will have you back and you can Absolutely. talk to us about uh, how things are going and the decisions that are made and um, uh, what the movie industry going to look like after all of these 2020 changes. Thank you so much again for joining thank us. Thank you
1: for having me. I appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you guys. I appreciate it.
2: It's a pleasure having you. And uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Thank you uh, for everybody who listens on your podcast, everything. And uh, just hope you've been blessed and informed by this podcast. And we will see you next week.
0: This has been the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast with author, musician, and worship pastor, Kevin Newsom. Thank you for joining us today, for your comments, and for subscribing. See you next time.